Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Undying Light. I am Alex, and I am joined tonight with a good, dear friend of mine, Anthony. Say hello. Hello. So, uh, just for everybody who's out there listening, uh, Undying Light has been um, just ridiculously busy this month, unforeseen to both Paul and I. Paul's parents uh have been out of town and so he's been trying to manage his parents workshop and he's been doing that full time like 80 hours every week for the last three weeks and i have been traveling and preaching and i have just been slammed busy um with everything too so i finally have some time tonight to knock out this episode and get this sucker recorded so we can wrap up the series with anthony and he has been so kind to join us for part two of our modern worship look and uh so i think everybody uh has a t-shirt now that we have sent t-shirt i I owe one and it's an international person and she knows it and Uh i i gotta get that up to canada so i just paid the ridiculous insane shipping for it today oh my goodness so you had the t-shirts we do uh no i've got a couple left, so if anybody new signs up for Patron, we have a couple t-shirts in stock to give out, and I think, I and then if you guys, just as a reminder, are going to Ligonier, come and hit me up, and the first few people that come and say hi, I've got a free book to give you, so we're gonna, I'm going to take down a, a couple of books um, from uh, the Ligonier study, the George Whitfield books. I'm going to give those away uh, to people who come up and say hi. And I think that's all. Oh, and then we've got the ESV Study Bible giveaway. Uh, I think you got in on that, didn't you, Anthony? I did. And it's it's a beauty. It is definitely. So it, it's, a, yeah. it's a big, thick, leather ESV Study Bible that Undying Light is giving away. And uh, I think you got your hands on one recently, didn't you? Just a regular one? Yeah. Yep. So those are very, very nice. Uh, and then I think that's it, man. We're just 
uh, we've been quiet, but we've been busy behind the scenes. I've been shipping stuff to people. I got a whole bunch of shirts out last week and a box of books out to people. Uh, our last contest winner finally got his books today. Um, it took for like, it took nine days, I think, to get them to him. I feel terrible because <laughs> I think he's only down in like Texas. And, you know, I try to, I try to find, try to find the easiest and cheapest way to ship things because I, as much as I ship things to people, it's expensive, you know? It gets real expensive. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm shipping five or six things and it's six, yeah. seven, eight bucks a pop, man, that's expensive. And, uh, we have a listener in, um, Ireland. And he's a patron, so I shipped him a shirt. <laughs> that was not cheap. No, I can uh, imagine. But you know, go ahead. I was just saying, you need to get, you need to, um, you need to ask those people to to post pictures of themselves with the shirts. I want to see it. Yeah, you know what, guys? If you, yeah, if you guys have a shirt, tag us uh, and tag Anthony in it too, because he was a big role in that. So tag, uh, uh, speak gospel truth and tag Undying Light. And uh, wear your shirts and wear them out in public and let's uh, let's get something. I don't know. What, what hashtag do you want to use? Just hashtag Undying Light. I think that's great. Yeah, that works. That's and, great. Uh, so maybe we can start tracking these out in public because I'd love to see that kind of get out. So if you have an Undying Light t-shirt, wear it in public, tag uh, both of us, and then uh, hashtag Undying Light. And then that way we can start to see uh, that word get out. And I'll be wearing mine for sure at Ligonier, so you'll see me. Um, I think I have to dress up when, uh, while I'm quote-unquote there because I'm on call. But when I'm not working, I'll be wearing my Undying Light shirt, and uh, we'll be uh, going out to eat and stuff. So I think I was talking to – it's been a few weeks, but we were chatting a while back, Nick and Paul and I were going to go do a big dinner if everyone wants to join us one of the nights. Steak, yeah, steak. Steak dinner. <laughs> uh, we're not paying for everybody though. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I, I don't think you're going, are you? You said you wouldn't, you couldn't go. Yeah, I have a, uh, I have family things. To, I gotta keeping me behind. So I was supposed to be at G three. Yeah, you know, which is going on today was the first day. I actually watched mm-hmm. it live. Good stuff. So I'm, I'm, I wish I could get down to the the Ligonier one as well. But next next year, I'm gonna plan. Sweet. Yeah, I was going to try. I was re- I really wanted to go to G three, and you and I had talked about going together. Yeah. And I just I was just so busy coming through Christmas and into work, and that I just couldn't get away from it. And uh, so hopefully, maybe next year, depending on where I'm at in ministry, uh, I could do G three and Ligonier, which would be really cool. Yeah, the G three uh, is great because they do the whole. Um... You know, send a pastor for free, pay forward. Um, mm-hmm. So actually, I had two tickets, and because I kind of came out with a cold, and I was in Florida all weekend. Um, you know, it's it's they, it's great because instead of you know losing the tickets, you know the the G three people were like, well, here are your options, and wonderful options to pay it forward. So um, and actually, as you listen live, you can actually go up there and you can you can sponsor a pastor or somebody for next year. So. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing that they're doing. Uh, yeah, with that paid forward. And, you know, and and honestly, that's that's to me like the greatest thing that they can do with yeah. these conferences because you know they're not cheap. You know, when no, you talk oh gosh, even no. two hundred bucks a ticket, you know, for yeah. three or four days. Yes, the material that you're getting is is, is unmeasurable. Yeah, you get to priceless. meet a ton of people. You get to meet a ton of you know reformed Christians. 
You get to experience worship in an environment unlike anything other. Um, tons of books and free merchandise and the availability to buy books at massive discounts. So if you go to a conference, take some cash. Yeah. Um, I was at uh, the Doc and Devo conference earlier this year or last year, and they're going to do one in the Chicagoland at the, in the fall from when I was talking to Joe Thorne. Um, so I'm going to catch that one too, hopefully nice. this year. <clears throat> I actually asked him, I said, are you coming to the DC area ever? And he said, he's, they go where, you know, I guess, you know, high, uh, high listening, uh, uh, rate for people. Uh, so the, I think he was going out to California, but I'd love to actually go check that out as well. Yeah, that'd be cool. It's, uh, if you could, if I find out dates, man, I'll shoot them to you so you can yeah, come join us in Chicago. Definitely, definitely. But uh, just to give you a heads up on it, like <clears throat> Crossway was there last year, and they, you know, have a whole bunch of Bibles on on sale there. And they had their preacher's Bible, which is what I have now to preach from, goat skin leather for a hundred bucks. Wow! And it's normally like a two hundred dollar Bible, yeah. and it's it is beautiful absolutely gorgeous it's my i was just thinking last night because i'm going through all my bibles and you know i got a ton of study bibles and that's great and i've got um a i got one like that's uh, an heirloom it's an esv thin heirloom that's got the strap that wraps around it mm-hmm. and i like that one and so i kind of use that one and then um i've got uh, i picked up a uh i'm gonna probably butcher the name of skyler is that it I'm not even looking at it now. It's upstairs. Um, and I love this one. It's the blue one that I took a picture of the other night and put mm-hmm. on my Instagram page. It yeah. is gorgeous. It's a small, compact Bible, so it's not real big. It's very light. Beautiful pages. It's beautifully put. It's calfskin leather. Um, and I got it from uh, Evangelical Bible. And this thing is just gorgeous. So th- this is my new, that's my new reading Bible. So I have a preaching Bible and a reading Bible. And then I have all my study Bibles for when I write my sermons and stuff. Yeah. I, I got the, I had ordered the Reformation study Bible, the R.C. Sproul, Sproul uh, general, uh, general uh, editor one. Uh, yeah. Um, and then I got the that other one, that other ESV. It's like I've swapped... I'm now have uh, collecting these Bibles, which is awesome. Um, I need to read a lot more, and yeah, I've swapped uh, collecting guitars for <laughs> now uh, Bibles. So it's cool. It's good stuff. I do now. Also, he's just like, you got another Bible? I'm like, well, right it's better right. than like, you know, video games or something. Yeah, exactly. But I was gonna say, um, I completely forgot. Completely forgot. Oh well, maybe it'll come to me like yeah. four hours show or something so tonight we're i mean we could talk bibles and oh i know what i was going to tell you (laughs) so you talked about uh reading more yeah and this is good for you or any of the listeners is uh something that uh a friend of mine on here kind of alluded to in a in a chat in a conversation we had together and he said uh Something that MacArthur teaches is to pick a book in the Bible and read it over and over and over again. So what I decided this year I want to do is take and and not just this year, but going forward in my in my lifetime, is take a gospel and through the whole year, every month, 
read the gospel one time. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm in Matthew. There's 28 chapters in Matthew, and there's usually you know anywhere between 28 and 31 days in the month. So uh, a chapter a day, which is very easy to do. That is easy, yeah. So a chapter a day, and then you do it all in a month, and then you start back over in February, and you read a chapter a day. And and then if you get to 28 and there's you know three days, then you got three days of a break. There you go. You know, no pressure to read more or read less. I mean, you can if you skip a day, it's not the end of the world. But it gives you the ability to read a gospel all the way through 12 times in a year. And you get so much. You every time you read, uh, you know, one of the gospels or any of the books, you get so much, so much out of it every single time. Like every time uh, you come by it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and I'm rereading Luke, and I'm just there's so much that. Um, you know, I didn't get, you know, the first, second or even third mm-hmm. time. So mm-hmm. and then what I do is when I'm just sitting at work, I listen to it. Yeah. And so the goal is to listen to it three to five times a month on top of physically reading it once. So by the end of the year, I want to have it down 25 times. It's kind of yeah. the, the preset goal, you know, and then something like Mark, where it marks 16 chapters. You could read that twice in a month. You yeah. just have to double up a chapter, you know, on, on the last day. Now, do you and, do the Old Testament as well? Um, well, I so I got a reading plan uh, that's doing the whole Bible chronologically, and that is a separate plan from reading the Gospels. Okay. So I am currently in Judges right now, and I'm reading it chronologically. I'll actually finish Judges tomorrow. And then I listen to Matthew for you know about eight, eight chapters, and then uh, I'm done for the day. So I listen to about 30 chapters in the Bible. And then I read at night before I go to bed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I drive about 45 minutes to work. So um, I listen and, and that's where I do all my listening, like, a, you know, different, different pastors as well, mm-hmm. but listening to the Bible as well. And then sometimes when I'm, when I'm going to bed, I, instead of music, I'll pop on um, the uh, John MacArthur study Bible and listen to it and, and crash out. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. You can't go wrong with that at all. Not no. at all. Yeah. So again, we could talk Bibles all night long and still put out a good episode. But yeah. go ahead. No, I was going to say before before we move on, <laughs> I want to say I miss Alex and Paul. Paul and Alex. Alex yeah. and Paul. I too. Yeah. I, I, we were talking <laughs> earlier. Uh, I haven't haven't heard you guys together in in quite some time. So I look forward to you know the reunion. Yeah, the we band were back together. <laughs> getting the band back together. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we were talking uh, just a, just before actually you called me and uh, we were he's going to put out an episode for Tuesday because I'm traveling again this weekend to preach. And uh, so we did have something planned for tomorrow night, um, but that got bumped to next Friday because we had uh, scheduling conflicts with two people. So that got bumped. Um, and then. So Paul's going to do Tuesday's episode, and then we will have uh, a group next Friday. I think uh, a little spoiler alert, we're going to do a roundtable episode. And then um, Paul and I should be back the following Tuesday, 100% certain, together. Um, We will probably have an episode together recorded next week. Uh, I don't know if we'll be able to, you know, how that's going to work out. But for certain, just the two of us in two weeks, so... It's been January's been a, just a bizarre month, man. There's been uh, tons of stuff going on. 
there's been tons of just uh, everybody going in every direction, and and you know, and then we're we're right on the around the corner be- uh, before Ligue Nier, uh, and we've got I've got a personal vacation coming up in April. Um, we're going to San Diego for a week for a few days, Excellent. and then you're then we're at Easter, man, and All right. it's like right right there. Yeah, yeah. So when you're at Ligue Nier, you have to do uh do some 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 video blogging. Well, I think we're uh. I think we talked. We're going to try to do a live roundtable um, one of the nights. Uh, I might do an Instagram live a couple times maybe. Actually, what I'd love to do is run a poll on my page to see how many people will be there and mm-hmm. see if we can't get just a big group of people together and just kind of do a big powwow or something. That, I think that would be really neat. Yeah, that would um, be cool. So, whole bunch of cool stuff coming down the pipeline, but man, January's just been so busy. And normally, January's kind of a slow month, and um, I got, I was supposed to have my contract meeting with the church last Sunday, and that got changed to two weeks, uh, to the uh-huh. 26th, because of weather up here. You know, it's January in Illinois, so it snows every four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, you guys actually caught a break, though. Uh, it, hasn't, it hasn't been quite as bad as what I heard. It's been quite mild uh, yeah. a year now. They're for, they, so they forecasted like six inches of snow last weekend and ice and terrible, you know, driving conditions. And I had a coworker who was driving south on Saturday, and he's like, "It was awful all the way down." Really? And the church I preach at preach at is north, and they're like, "You know, the weather here is terrible, so we'll just have you come in two weeks," which is fine it's a little disappointed i really wanted to have that conversation but so that got bumped and then after and then sunday it was like 40 degrees <laughs> like all afternoon it was beautiful out and it was it was like okay well that's a bummer <laughs> and then now they're forecasting starting tonight at like 3 a.m until saturday at like two o'clock in the afternoon just nonstop snow really so who knows? yeah Mar- maryland got cold so <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, we're at eighteen or something tonight. So, oh, okay, yeah, yes. you got you got to speed. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Maryland, it, it rains and or it 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 flurries and people both they people don't know how to drive. It's Just like, oh my gosh, yep. government's closed. You know, <laughs> everybody loses their mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. In Illinois, it can be fourteen feet of snow. My boss will call me. You coming into work today? I'm like, hey, get out of my garage. Right. I'm my supervisor's in Chicago. So, um, yeah, he's, he laughs every time I'm like, Oh, I'm going to telework today. And he's like, what'd you get a little bit of rain? I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right, man. So I think, uh, let's kick this show off. Uh, right. cause I think people really want to hear our, uh, opinion. <laughs> cause Wait. that's what it's, this is going to be an interesting one. So we talked a little bit about the before the show, and I thought we had some really good dialogue. Um, so before we get into this with uh, the lyrics and that, uh, I want to lay some groundwork for people and, and kind of set our position. So we have gone. So I've gone through this series uh, on church worship. And it's not just the music concept, but it's kind of all aspects, right? So I did the bookstore. I did, you know, and, and talking about like the theology that's coming out of uh, Christian authors and what Christians are reading. 
And then we did, uh, I did one on the early church worship. I did one on hymns. You and I did one on modern, uh, modern worship last time. And now we're doing modern worship part two. And then I'm going to go on and do sermons after that. So I'm trying to really pin kind of some of the big theological issues that are surrounding the church from a lot of different angles. And right now we're focusing on the experience and the music issue. Now we really talked experience last time and I thought we had a fantastic conversation. I got a lot of good feedback from people and uh, it's actually, we were just talking about it before the show. It's the second highest downloaded episode we have was our last episode, you and I. So that's really neat. And I, and I really hope people liked it enough that yeah. it didn't make people really mad at us, but yeah. I have a feeling <laughs> this one might make some people mad at us because we're going to pick apart some lyrics of some of your favorite Christian music. And here's the premise to this discussion. First of all, we are going to distinguish between worshiping in a church and listening to music in your car. We'll just use that as the scenario, the con the difference in yep. concepts um, or, you know, at home or wherever. Tell me your experience and what do you think? Why do you think it's different between worshiping in a church and just listening to music in a car? What do you or do you distinguish the two? Yeah, I mean, I do. I think uh, there are plenty of uh, Christian songs that um, that just don't they 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 don't belong in um, in the setting of of whether it's a home church or you know a, a, a mid sized church or any church because I think there's there's so much in the lyrics that are gray. You, you know, you you couldn't distinguish it. You know, um, from a from a secular song, but it's from a Christian artist. I mean. Um, so I think those types of songs just don't belong in worship. And, and I heard John MacArthur say this today. Uh, he said, worship is for God. It's not for the congregation. And why mm -hmm. do we go to, why do we go to, to a church or to a service is to worship God, not to be entertained. So it's, things are kind of been flipped on their head a little bit. So I, I, I think there's absolutely a distinction. And when, when I listen to uh, Christian music in the car, uh, again, a, a great majority of it just I couldn't imagine singing it in um, in a church. Yeah, and that's uh, that's exactly it, and it's spot on because you go to church to do one thing, and that's worship God. You don't go to church to make yourself, you know, feel better. You feel better because the Holy Spirit empowers you through your worship to God, but you don't feel better because you do it yourself. And, you know, I, I, I've had conversations with people, <clears throat> excuse me, and they sometimes can get a little heated because you start to say, well, I don't like Hillsong or I don't like Bethel or Evelation music and, or insert, you know, popular band, whatever here, um, because you feel, you know, I feel like they have a distortion of the gospel. They preach a false doctrine. They sing a false doctrine. And um, they really play on your emotions and your feelings. And that's, you know, MacArthur's quote's perfect, uh, that you go to church to worship God. You don't go to church to uh, make yourself 
happy or to be elevated in spirit. Um, you know, the, the emotional high that you should get from church should be the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because you are worshiping in spirit and truth, not yeah. worshiping, you know, uh, uh, to a, an unknown God, in which we're going to actually talk about some of that in some of these lyrics. Uh, so, so you said you make that distinguishment, right, between what you listen to and what you worship to, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, I, actually one of my, uh, I really like uh, this band called Need to Breathe. And oh, I love them. Great. I mean, they're, you know, they're, uh, now I'm drawing a blank of the secular band they remind me of. Oh, shoot. <laughs> um, anyway, but um, I, I just think, I think uh, from a lyrical content, and again, they're not, they don't claim to be a worship band. Right. Uh, you know, they claim to be a Christian band. Right. Um, but I, I really, I really like them. But I, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, their songs being played at least. In in, in, right. In, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you bring up a great point, right? Because you've got these good Christian bands. So I love Need to Breathe, and I like for King, I love for King and Country. Yeah. They're not. Um, and but you don't, you don't sing them in church, right? They're they're Christian bands, and and but they're not writing praiseworthy music but they write music that praises god so there's yeah. a difference right so it's um if you look at some of their lyrics a lot of it's you know they're they're just dealing with real life issues they're dealing with uh people they're dealing with their family their spouses their kids their real life issues and they sing to praise in christ you know they they glorify jesus at you know as they as they write through their music and yeah. Um, but you wouldn't think about seeing those songs in church. Exactly. It, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's almost like, you know, when you start, if you start kind of stepping over that line of bringing it, I mean, this it's, I don't know, maybe some churches do, it, it, maybe they do play like a, you know, they'll, they'll do a Toby Mac song. It, I just wouldn't get it. You know, it, again, it becomes, it's like, it's, it's arena rock you know, mm -hmm. or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's Christian. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it just, it just doesn't belong when you're, again, you're going to, to a service and this is the bottom line to, to worship, to worship God, give him glory, you know, not to get something out of it. I mean, you get something out of it, of course, but you, you shouldn't go to, to the service for the music. Um, you're right. In, in the sense, in the sense of, that you know, I gotta get, I gotta get my thing on. I gotta, you know, I wanna, um, you know, I want that feeling. I want this or that, you know, from from the worship. And you hear, you hear all the time, people, people leave. Actually, actually leave churches because, oh, you know, they got a new uh, worship leader and he's not, he's not that good. So, you know, mm -hmm. they don't enjoy it as much. And it's like, well, are you going there for the music or are you going there for the message? You know, right, yep. <clears throat> And that's that is the the biggest point to nail in this entire series is it you're is. going to church to worship God, not to worship yourself. Yeah. There you go. The yeah. Music isn't about you. The music shouldn't be a, an emotional lift or a feel good message to you. It should be an relentless praise to God. And if you want some really good worship music, I would recommend you go back and listen to the episode I did on the hymns 
And that was just not even an exhaustive list. I only had, I think, five or six hymns that I talked about. But go and listen to those songs. Like, go and listen to the episode and then take those songs in YouTube. I know, like, one of them was uh, Our God is a Mighty Fortress by Luther. And I think Amazing... Uh, what else did they do? Now I'm drawing a blank. My brain is my brain is mush. I don't remember. Yeah. That's the only that's the only one I can remember. Um, but listen to the episode and take those that I talked about and go listen to them. And listen to the lyrics. And then come and listen to the ones we're going to talk about here in a few minutes and compare and contrast the depth of the lyrics. So and to this to that point, um, and I'm gonna steal another John MacArthur quote. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you bring up a great point because Luther was you you had the path and this MacArthur and I think Washer were talking about this today. You I believe it was Washer. Um, you have the the pastor, the preacher who they were writing the hymns. And yes. that really that really struck me. I was like, wow. And then um, MacArthur went on to say the worship leader is not the worship leader. It's the pastor is the worship leader. Yes. Because and that and man, and that hit me, too. I'm like. You know, the pastor is absolutely 100% responsible for everything that comes out of that pulpit. You know, so that means good or bad because the buck stops with the pastor. And mm-hmm. I, I just posted something on my Instagram page about about pastors. And it, it, that is such a it, – it's, it's such a simple truth that, you know, it blows me away when you're in a church and you have these, these feel-good songs that don't glorify God in – from a from a sound doctrine scriptural scriptural um, standpoint, and then you know the pastor gets up there and you know he does a a good job or whatever of you know with his sermon, but you know it's almost like they're it, it it's like they're out of sync. And I think that was the point. What John MacArthur was saying today was, mm-hmm. you know, it, it all starts with the pa- the the pastor. He has to be involved. And yeah, I get it with these bigger churches or whatever, but that's a whole other story. You know, that's a problem with the bigger churches. The pastor's not able to get involved and you have these little sleeper cell kind of things going on. And one, one doesn't know what the other one's doing. Yeah. And that's, I've seen that firsthand on how, um, churches may have, you know, great sermons and then bad music because there's just both of those people are just way out of sync. And so before we get into, so we've got a handful of songs that we have kind of looked at. And this again is not an exhaustive list. These are just a couple examples that we pulled out and we wanted to look at and and draw attention to. Um, But I wanted, you had said you, you did some further research on like songwriters because we also have to understand today that with these big bands, they're generally not writing their music. Is that correct? That is, I mean, a, a lot of the time, um, that is absolutely the case. They are not, um, they're not writing the song. So you have like Lauren Daigle. She, um, you know, typically a lot of times what happens with the, with these performers, like, and I mean, I can, um, I don't, I, I, I can name a lot of the secular ones that they do this. Um, maybe not as much on the Christian side yet, but it, but the template's the same. It really is in the industry. You, you know, you have songwriters that write the song and they want to sell the song. Um, and then you have publishing companies that, you know, you, you're submitting the song to and they're like, this would be a great Christian song. Um, mm-hmm. and let's pitch it to Lauren Daigle. 
gets pitched. It, I'm just using that as an example. Um, yep. But I can see already in a little bit of the research, I have to find that email now, I sent it to myself, um, that that could be the case where you have a couple songwriters writing songs and then Lauren Daigle gets it and she, you know, basically, you know, her, I'll do the song, my name has to be on it. Um, so she gets a co-write right out the door because again it benefits everybody yeah and so that's kind of the big issue that we run into is that a lot of these big groups they just sing the music uh they they don't necessarily write it so now we have a two-pronged problem here because not only do we have potential bands that are singing um unsound songs we could have um you know, songwriters that are unsound, you know, doctrinally bad writing music. So now you've got two kind of pinpoints of where music could go wrong. And so you got to go back to the songwriter. And again, I think you said it last time when we recorded that these songwriters aren't generally Christian people. They're just employed by these record companies. A A lot of them are. Um, some of them absolutely are, um, you know, they, a, a lot of times what happens in the industry and uh, as you see with my old band, actually, you get, um, you, you get a couple guys that are writing songs and bottom line is you become yesterday's news. Um, and you kind of go, you know, where do you make money? You make money of songwriting. That's, that's the gift that keeps giving mm-hmm. if, if your song gets picked up. So you get into the songwriting side and, um, uh, you just start kind of writing for whether it's BMI, ASCAP, whoever it may be. You submit the songs and they'll look at the song um, when they're picking and they'll be like, this actually be a great song for, you know, this secular artist. We want to use it. Mm-hmm. And and then what will happen is they might bring in somebody and they might start tweaking some lyrics, you know, and yep. and then you got a real problem there. And, you know, you have a, a Christian's Christian name attached to a song example, of course, that Madonna singing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's kind of kind of the gist. Yeah, and so that creates major theological issues, especially when you have um, secular people writing for Christian artists because they don't know scripture like regular Christians do. Yeah, not at all. I mean, it, I was—I uh, think I might have said in the last episode um, when I was in tracking our first um, album. Um, one of the songwriters we were we were working with we, we were doing one of his songs and i was this is kind of when i i, I kind of discovered uh a christian artist michael tate mm-hmm. and i actually liked I, was, I, was, I thought the first his first song was pretty good i was like you know kind of you know had a rock edge and he's like oh i know michael and i'm like really and um he's like oh yeah so he was just kind of telling me a little bit behind the scenes about you know working with him and and again, you know, you have Christian art and that's just, you know, I guess it's no different than us going to work and you, you intermingle. It's part of life. Mm-hmm. But but the difference is they are putting out a product, a Christian artist that um, is supposed to represent um, scripture in an accurate way, inaccurate way. It has to. It's scripturally sound. So they're putting out a product that um, is is impacting God's sheep. You know, in which way is it leading them? So therein is the problem. And you and I talked about it 
um, you know, the theology of the songwriters is expressed in the lyrics. So what they believe, what they feel, what they think is all expressed in those lyrics um, of a song. So you kind of got to look at the artist and, and, you know, this is where, you know, it's you do some homework, uh, you know, with Hillsong <clears throat> or Bethel or whoever. And you, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just I'm so surprised a lot of churches, the pastor isn't doing the homework and saying, well, what's behind Bethel? Yeah, let me let me take a look. Because yep. all of these songs are a machine. What's coming out of them? Yep. Yeah, and that's that's the big issue I feel like with today's churches is there's this big disconnection between the pastor and the worship leader. Uh, there's a big disconnect between preaching a sound doctrine and singing a sound doctrine. It's almost like you can hear a good sermon, but the music is off is off a of key, and yeah. I, you know, I use this this analogy um, with somebody the, earlier. I said, uh, if you had, you know, your one line, and this is we're going to talk about this as we pull some of these lyrics apart. Um, you know, the one line bad. Think about it this way: if you have ten apples in a bucket, and I tell you two of those apples are poisoned, what are you going to do with the bucket? Yeah, you're going to toss that bucket. Right, you're not going to risk mean, it. Yeah. So why risk singing a song that's doctrinally sound except for one line, two lines? And here's the thing. These these lines, they're not, you know, they're not heresy. So uh, I, I probably looked at 100 songs today. And there's stuff out there that's terrible, yes. But a lot of the more popular ones is what I was trying to look for. The music itself isn't singing a heresy song but they they don't sing a cohesive doctrinally sound message and so the premise to the episode is what we want to get people to do is just to think for themselves to examine the music and to say okay well why does this sound funny when this doesn't line up with what scripture says yeah I mean, that, and you hit it right on the head, and uh, I think we were in a conversation yesterday via Instagram about about exactly that mm-hmm. is, is weighing, and that's what we're called to do, weighing everything yes. against Scripture. Yep. And it, what's, what I find is fascinating um, in this, in my walk is how many people don't do that, um, and I didn't do that. For, you know, until until recently, just way you know, and again, it goes to being sound in scripture, sound in doctrine, sound in theology. Yep. Um, that you really start kind of taking a look at everything again, everything you look at, you read. I mean, and that's what we're called to do. Everything we listen to, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that one line could absolutely impact your thought on on Christ and what he did just one line out of a song. So it's important to be, um, as sound as you possibly, you, you have to be sound. You should weigh it against scripture. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but, um, I could easily start writing Christian songs. Um, if I wanted to, like right after I quit, uh, my band, I could have, I could have actually, I got asked to join a quote Christian band and start, start playing. And, 
Um, I had, you know, and I didn't, I didn't do it. And I haven't picked up a guitar in two years now. Um, Mm -hmm. because, because that's something, um, that what I need to focus on is my growth in the word, my growth in my Christian walk, not going, jumping from one thing, one side of music to the other, and just starting to write Christian. When I'm learning so much as, Mm -hmm. You know, as this, I don't want to say I'm a babe in Christ, but I am learning. So it just, it just doesn't seem right. I don't feel that that's where God wants me. Mm-hmm. And er- everybody's different, but yeah. the point is, you know, um, you know, as Christians, you and as Christian entertainers and artists, you, you absolutely have to be a hundred percent in Scripture all the time. It's just it, that's the bottom line because what you're doing, because otherwise you're doing it for the wrong reason. You know what are you doing it for? Are you doing it for to glorify God, give God praise, and hopefully lead people to Christ? Because if that's what you're doing it for, you have to be in Scripture. If you're doing it for entertainment, then don't say you're a Christian artist. Right. Just you know stop. Exactly. You know, and, and this is this will probably shock some people, but. Before I would say I was truly saved, before I would say I was truly reformed and walking with Christ, I used to watch South Park all the time. And, and I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It was funny. It was stupid. It was Mm -hmm. vulgar. It was cruel. You know, it was everything that the world is. And, you know, so it, what, what brings that up is, they did an episode and if you, if anybody listens to South Park or watches South Park, you you'll know. Uh, and, and even if you don't, you probably know who the, the four boys are, uh, the short fat ones, uh, Cartman. And they had a, a, a dispute between the boys and who could make a platinum album faster. Was it the three boys or was it Cartman? So the three boys form a band and they, you know, just a regular secular band, they start making, you know, songs and they start putting them out. You know, they do the whole like uh, the the real tough grind playing on the street corner type thing. <laughs> Cartman decides he's going to go and take popular music, change a couple lyrics and put Jesus in it and become a Christian singer. Wow. And. you know and of course he blows up because he's just you know he's basically what he's doing he's taking love songs and just scratching out you and putting jesus jesus oh my goodness and it's just you know so instead of like the song the lyric being i love you so much it's i love jesus so much or i love you jesus you know and and it it just you know his fame skyrockets because he just scratches out you or you know and, and just replaces everything with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is exactly what a lot of these big, you know, uh, groups do is they just make love music and then they just kind of pencil Jesus in there. But, but they don't even do, you know, the funny Cartman's like one up on a lot of these artists because they're not even doing that now. What, yeah. so what, they're, what they're doing is they're, they're using the you, they're using the formula of a sappy secular Adele styled song and keeping the you in there and never pointing to, to Christ, to repentance, to sin, none of that. Mm -hmm. And which brings us to our first song, 
Dun, dun, uh, dun. I'm going to pull this. I don't think I sent this to you in the list. It says okay. it's uh, the David Crowder band, which, by the way, I like the David Crowder band uh, kind of. I kind of um, do, too. The song is How He Loves, and I'm sure everybody knows this. But who's he? Mm-hmm. Here's the first set of lyrics. He is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree, bending beneath the weight of, of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your afflictions are for me. I it could be that could be a lover, like a really passionate lover. Right. <laughs> I, I'm looking through all of these lyrics. I do not see any references to God, to Christ. To uh, any terminology used, you know, it's a whole great... lot of, yeah, it's a whole lot of visualization, yeah. um, and painting pictures uh, with words. Uh, it's, mm. I actually haven't heard that song. Yeah, it, uh, my my wife knows it, and I mean, again, it's a song that plays on emotions, and so you 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 sing it, and you just become emotionally attached. You know, here's here's another. I, I'm terrible with music, so it's, uh, to me, it's another verse. I don't know if it's actually that in the actual song. If it's, you know, you know more music than I do. Uh, well, but it, it, well, you know, if they're repeating something like five, six, seven, twenty times, and that's the chorus. So yeah, this <laughs> is the, yeah, it's not the chorus for sure. Okay, there you go. Because they they repeat that like thirty times in the song. Okay. Oh, how he loves me. Yeah. Right. Who's he? <laughs> right. But here's another one. So it says, "And we are his portion, and he is our prize." Drawn to redemption by his grace in his eyes. If his grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. And heaven. Okay, it's the first reference to a God-like being. Mm-hmm. And heaven meets earth like an un- like an unforeseen kiss. That doesn't even reference really who he is. And my heart turns violently inside my chest. I don't want time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's my response. It's, I, well, I, don't how do you, I don't know. <sighs> All right. So that one, it just plays perfectly with the whole Cartman dilemma, right? It's, it's, yeah. who's he? Um, All right. So the next one is, uh, I sent this one to you and we are going to dissect this song really well. Because this is the main issue that we find within most Christian music. If you go back and look at some of the traditional hymns, what you'll discover is they wrote the hymns all the way through with very, very little repetitive natures to them. Go open any hymnal and you'll see most of the music has four or five verses and they're all different. Occasionally, some of the like the seasonal stuff will have repetitive nature to them, but most of the the praiseworthy songs um, they don't. But here is a very popular song that loves to be repeated over and over again, and that is "Good Good Father" by Chris Tomlin. Mm. Yeah. What are your initial thoughts? <clears throat> well. In honesty, uh, we were talking about this earlier. So um, I actually, when I heard this song, I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is a moving song. It's a great song. And uh, because of, you know, this episode, I did a little bit of digging and it, it you know, and um, I found a lot of interest, some interesting things out about the song. 
Um, and yeah, it, 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 what it does is it follows that, you know, that cookie cutter. Um, again, this is and, and this is the issue with, you know, the old this is the issue with modern day. And then you have the old hymns because the old hymns, they do, like you said, they do like three or four verses, you know, and then they have a cor- they have the choruses throughout. And it would be a long song. I mean, that's why a lot of, um, you know, you, even Christmas hymns, you know, they're they're cutting out. You know, we don't know like the second verse to third verse to some of these Christmas hymns or some of these other hymns. But you know, these songs like "Good Good Father," they, you know, it's uh, verse, chorus, you know, verse, chorus, B section, and then fade out on you know the chorus a hundred times, and that's mm-hmm. what they do. So absolutely, that's that's the problem. But what I found out about it because I want because again, I my my wife likes the song. You know, I like I listened, I hear it. And I'm like, it's a good song. Yeah. It's, it's it's a catchy song. I can't not say that. Um, and certainly, I'd rather listen to that song than you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, Avenged Sevenfold. In, yeah. Right now, I mean, yep. th- that's kind of the way I look at things. But um, you know, so again, good, good father. It, where's the reference to? our Holy Father, our just right. Father, you know, our, our God, you know, those, those are the types of things in reading mm-hmm. those lyrics. And, um, so the, the guy, the guy that actually wrote it, um, it, it's, it's a guy named Pat Barrett and Tony Brown. And, um, it was, it was actually, it was interesting. So it wasn't Chris Tomlin. So it was originally right. penned in Atlanta and I'm sure you did your homework too on this. And mm-hmm. so, so the whole Chris Tomlin's wife heard the song in Georgia and convinced them to re-record it. So, um, what I found interesting because I think you, you'd mentioned in some notes that it's, you know, who is it about? You yeah. know, it's someone's dad. <laughs> it, so exactly. So, yeah. you know, so what Pat Barrett had said was he, he had, he started having kids and he said, I'm looking at my daughter, um, and I'm like, how am I going? How am I? How am I going to explain God to you? Um, is what he recorded in, in an interview. And he said, mm-hmm. how am I going to introduce you to someone who so transformed my life? Mm-hmm. How am I going to tell you what he's like? And I get what he's saying, you know, because I look at my kids, and I'm and and I want to be the best father I can possibly be to them. And mm-hmm. but and then I do, I do think of God. I'm like, man, you know, God just. You know, he's he's just he's merciful because I keep messing up and, you know, obviously sin has to be accounted for. And that's why we have Christ. So in his mercy and his grace, he sent Christ, his only son. So I get his whole that whole thing um, with, you know, but to me, it's like, well, how are you going to tell your child who, you know, the person that transformed your life? You go right. to scripture. Right. So, so equate it to scripture. Yep. Um. So those are my initial thoughts. I think going mm. through going through the song mm-hmm. and and kind of what I did, just doing some research. Um, but I went a step further, and I wanted to know a little bit more about Pat Garrett. So I, again, and this is what I'm talking about. You you want to look at their background and what kind of church they're in, and um, because again, what you're what you're writing, what you're singing, you know, it 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 it's all a reflection of your theology your doctrine and how sound you are in scripture. So, you know, that's kind of how I dissect things now. What were your thoughts? Well, yeah, I think you, you nailed it really well. Doctrinally, the song isn't wrong. 
There's nothing in the song right. that uh, is 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 bad. You know, what is, in my opinion, the issue is we, for one, we don't know who this father is, because what becomes of it is, if you were to describe God. You wouldn't just say he's a good, good father, because that to me just kind of underplays this entire theology of who God is in all of his glory, in all of his majesty, in all of his greatness. You know, yes, you want a catchy tune, but let's let's look at some of this stuff here to just kind of pin down it. Right. So. The, the chorus is, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. Repeated three times. And I'm right. loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. That doesn't reflect anything to God the Father. It doesn't talk at all about his character. And it, no. drifts, it drifts to, you're right, the whole, it's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And um Again, you know, you're writing Christian songs, you're performing Christian songs, they are to reflect, you know, who God is, what, you know, what his plan is, what, what did he do? Yeah, and that's, again, there's no, there's no indication why he loves us. There's no indication of why we should love him or why is he good. Um, I mean, and, and it's so repetitive. I'm looking here. Uh, this line, you are perfect in all your ways, is repeated five times in a row. I'm sorry, six. They added a because. Six times. Uh, As you call me deeper still is repeated three more times. It's who I am is repeated constantly out throughout this song. Your good, good father is repeated constantly. At the end of it, the chorus is repeated one, two, three, four times. And if you hear it in a church, it's usually repeated five or six more times. Yeah, and, and they do that too. It's it's the truth to evoke yeah. emotion, and that's yeah. what song. You know, that, that's the reality of what music. You know, music does, and and I heard MacArthur say it today. Mu- music is just po- you know, it's poetry with instrumentation, and, yeah. and it is. That's what it is, and it's not. It's not. It's not theology. Right. Um. It, it's not scripture. Um. You know. It's. You take theology, you take scripture and sound uh, theology and scripture and doctrine and you, yeah, you write a song. But when you start getting into this repetitive chanting and just, re- you know, you know, and worship leaders are the best at it. They, 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 like you said, they will latch on to a part, part of a song and do it like 20 times to mm-hmm. almost to get you to into this place. Like it's not enough, you know, to. Uh, to to be in there and praying and hearing hearing a message, you have to, you know, with the light show and and and, and this and that. And I, I think the other thing is the idea of, of today's culture. Um, and we touched on this in the last episode. We, they are so into making Jesus, making God their buddy, making yes. God my my daddy. He's yeah, my daddy, daddy line. God. You know, and it's. Oh. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that you, you you shouldn't love him like a father. Absolutely. I mean, but it, it's in a holy way. It's in a it's in a way that um, 
it's just his mercy and his grace and what he did, you know, that's, you know, that's what makes him such a good father and what he did mm-hmm. and what he, his plan. So, you know, it's this whole feeling thing and um, it's, it's, I don't know, it gets, it gets borderline icky in, in, yeah. in some cases with the whole, you know, with Jesus is my lover. I, you know, I've heard, heard stuff like that. I'm like, oh, what is, yeah. what is, is going on? Puke. Yeah. No reverence, no reverence. None whatsoever. And, you know, yeah, the whole like a play of making Jesus this like hip hipster, you know, like catchy buddy, like he's your cool uncle that's going to let you do whatever you want. That just is a tragedy and a massive misstep by the church today. And and I think what the biggest issue is the what we see in the church is a massive decline in young adult and youth ministries because they have downplayed Christ so much. And here's the thing. If you want to attract people, you're not going to attract them with this kind of garbage for long. They may come for a while, but you know, like I, when I was doing youth at my, at my church a couple years ago, I was blown away by how intelligent these high school boys were and how much theology they knew. And they knew theology because they went to a church that was sound in theology and they kept coming back every single week because they wanted to continue to grow. You thirst for that. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And before we move on to the next song, I just want to really, really lay home the importance of understanding music. If you're going to worship, please find music that are lyrically depth because in this entire song of good, good father, it's so repetitive. There's only one chorus that actually has any sort of meat to it. And this is the first one I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. That's it. Everything else is just repetitive. Oh, I'm sorry. Then there's another little section here. It says, I'm seeing so many uh, searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching. Nobody searches for God. Again, that's not lyrical or that's not theological. Yeah. For answers only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word. Those two lines are correct, but nobody seeks for God. Paul makes it clear in Romans 3. Nobody seeks for God. Nobody, nobody does good. Yeah. Even going back up to the first line and you tell me you're pleased. No, God is not pleased with you. You're a sinner. You know, yeah. I mean, actually, you, you, you'll know more than I would. But let me ask you this question. Uh-huh. Is it anywhere in the Bible um, other than when uh, God looked upon his son and said, "With this is my son who I'm well pleased, right? Yeah. Anywhere else in the Bible is, and this is actually a genuine question, is it anywhere in the Bible that, you know, God looked down and said, Peter, I'm pleased with you, or, you know, that notion that he's pleased with sinful man? <laughs> uh, and I don't know. I don't think so, actually. I, <laughs> you, the, when you said Peter, it's kind of funny because every, every time there's usually conversation with Peter, it's Jesus chastising Peter. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so, no, I think you're, I think you're spot on. There's not a spot. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, and this is Jesus, you know, at one point, you know, Jesus is 
saying, yes, Peter, you got it right. You know, the th- uh, when, when Peter said, you are the son of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and he commanded him. But then a little bit later, he's saying, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. You know, he yeah, becomes yeah, a mouthpiece for Satan. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. so the idea of not calling, you know, again, this is another for another time, not calling out uh, people oh. that are speaking, you know, false. I totally disagree with that. But, you know, the one line, though, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. It's just that line is just the tender whispers of love. OK, you know, and I would say this. What is what did Jesus say to uh, to the disciples? If you love me, what? Then you will obey my commands. Commandment. OK. Yeah. And what are what are what are the commands throughout scripture and that's how you get to what is love so we talk about this the tender whispers of love well let's let's talk about love via scripture Mm -hmm. you know and this whole thing in the dead of night again it's just all it's it's just it's weak lyrical content it is and 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 then this is uh where was the other one this is another thing and again you know some people are like you're being so legalistic I get it. Again, I'm not saying I don't like, you know, it's a catchy song and I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just saying there's not a whole lot of meat in this, in this catchy, uh, in this catchy song. And, but the, you know, the interesting thing, the way it's produced, the way Chris Tomlin produced it, it really does, you know, if you listen to it and you're in, you know, you're feeling down or whatever, it will, it'll incite some emotions, some feelings. And, Yep. You know, so from a, so it's success from that standpoint with, you know, the record labels and, you know, that's that's what sells downloads and et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, this this one thing that it jumped out to me was, um, oh, it's it's love so undeniable. I I can hardly speak. Mm-hmm. Peace so unexplainable. I I can hardly think. So, you know, in scripture, you, you look, you know, there's. There's, it's just not, it's not sound, you know, you can hardly speak, you can hardly think. That's not, that's not what the, at, at Pentecost, that's not what happened with the right. disciples. Yep. You know, it's just, so, you know, it's just, it's weak lyrically and obviously weak from uh, sound, sounds and doctrine in scripture, in, from scripture, in, in, in my opinion. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. Um, yeah, we, we found I wouldn't what? sing it in church. No, yeah, I wouldn't either. That, that, and you that's, shouldn't. That's the point. Yeah. And and we found what two pieces that you could argue are wrong. But from a seeker sensitive church standpoint, they're going to glorify the song and think it's perfect. You know, um and both of the these lines can be trumped by um Romans chapter 3 that tell me that you're pleased and that people are searching because nobody's searching. And God isn't pleased with the, the sinners. And so, I mean, theologically, it's not in in a heresy standpoint. It's false, but I saw you know. I saw I saw one guy actually he critiqued the song. And mm-hmm. you know, again, you know what opinions are like. Everybody's got an opinion. And mm-hmm. um, but he 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 called the song completely narcissistic because um he caught out the line, good father, it's who you are that portion of it. And, and then the, the second part goes to self. I'm loved by you. It's who I am to it, who I am. And he was saying, you know, this case can only mean you love me because of me. Right. And, and yep. that, that is a trend absolutely in, mm-hmm. you know, modern, um, you know, church scene um, about self and you love me for me 
I don't have yep. to be anything else. You just love me for me. And, um, you know, that's, that's not the case. Yep. And that's, that's the tragedy that I think most churches are not aware of is how weak and self-centered many are. So yeah. let's move on to a song that actually has Jesus in it, but is not doctrinally sound. And this is before we get to the big to the to the grand finale of this. This is our final song we're going to look at, and then we're going to get to our grand finale, and that one's going to be a shindig of a day. <laughs> so, uh, Hillsong ha- produced a uh, song. It's called "What a Beautiful Name." Now. This song is charted number one in the top Christian 100 worship songs. And this song's pretty good. However, I have some beef with it. Oh, yeah. So let's look at a couple of the, to the choruses. and says, you were the word at the beginning. John 1, 1. Perfect. Yep. If they just ended the song there, we'd be fine. <laughs> one with God the most high. Okay, I can handle that. That's fine. Christ, the logos with God. Sure. Your hidden glory in creation. Okay. Now revealed in you our Christ. Okay. What a beautiful name. Blah, blah, blah. The name of Jesus Christ, my king. Good. What and then they repeat that. Uh you this is this is the thing I hate. You didn't want heaven without us. So, Jesus, you brought heaven down. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. So, if we removed those two lines from this song, this song would be theologically sound. Um, I'm looking at the rest of the lyrics. You have no rival. Your powerful name. How sweet is your name? Again, uh, lyrically pretty weak. I mean, there's no depth to it. Um, there's no, like, it, I mean, a, a third so grader the, could have written the song. Yeah. It, the, the, the My Sin Was Great, Your Love Was Greater, What Could Separate Us Now. Yeah. You know, um, that's part of that chorus. You said, you, so when, when I heard the song, um, I was not in, um, I, I don't know what to call it, this reform circle that I guess yeah. I, I'm, I've learned so much, I want to say, over the last eight to eight to 10 months. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm blessed uh, because I don't know where, you know, I'd probably be still in this very watered down mode. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, but I'll tell you what, before I was in this, um, you know, in, into digging into scripture and just really, you know, um, I, I heard this and I was like, something did not sit right at all with the whole, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, mm-hmm. you brought heaven down and, and going on to my sin, my sin was great. Your love is greater. Uh, you know, what could separate us now? And, you know, uh, those, the, just that whole line, I think it, it does. It absolutely kind of just ruined, um, you know, the song for me. Because every time it hits that, those lines, I'm, I cringe. Yep. It's, you know, because it's, it's so in, inaccurate um, f- from the standpoint that, it, again, it just it creates the idea that God is this, you know, and 
he's a guy that just I can't be without you guys. Yeah, I can't you know, you know they have stripped you know they've stripped God of you know again his his who he is who his character and he's a mighty strong just you know God who de- he demands reverence he and yep. he deserves reverence and the idea of making him like you know this. This hipster and, you know, who just this tender love. I mean, I'm not saying I, he, he's a loving God. I, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But they just they kind of want to just, you know, put him in the put him in this just this, the whole love thing. Just it yeah. drives me nuts. Anyway, yeah, I was rambling. It's all, it's, no, you're fine. It's all love and no wrath. Right. And, you know, it, the, the issue I have and uh, I was talking to my wife about this today. Um it's the that the you didn't want heaven without us. Yeah, that I mean, those two lines, and then you brought heaven down. Um, just again, it's the whole God of love and no wrath, God of all this mercy but no justice. Um, it's sickening. It really is. And and I'll tell you what, if you go through Hillsong and Bethel and all these big mega church bands and you look at their music that they produce. It's the same thing in all of them. It's over-glorified God's love and over-maximizing you as an individual with a massive downplay to God's justice, God's mercy, uh, God's wrath, our sin, our need for a Savior. Because here's the thing. There is nowhere in Scripture that indicates that he didn't want heaven without us. From the very beginning, uh, after the fall, the whole plan of Scripture is God's redemptive plan for mankind. Yeah, It has nothing to do with him wanting us in heaven with him. It's just, I mean, you can argue that maybe, but that's not really the premise. The premise is, is that God created us perfectly to be in perfect communion with him in the garden, and then we fell and so the rest of scripture is the unfolding of his glorious redemptive plan jesus and that's what this song is pointing to didn't come to earth just to rescue us he came to earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb which by the way i am preaching a sermon on this sunday on john 1 verses 29 through 42 where i talk about john the baptist making the proclamation behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is the message that we are to bring. Mm-hmm. Not this, you can't, you didn't want to have in garbage. That to me just angers me to no end. Well, I mean, it, it, how do you, how do you have something like that? And again, people are going to be like, you're nitpicking. And, but, but think of it from the standpoint of, you know, it's a product that's out there. You know, you, you know, you, there has to be, um, you have to be held accountable for which if you're putting it out there, you know, mm-hmm. you gotta be, this is what you're going to weigh it. You're going to weigh it. It's so, but how does that even wash with the, you know, the idea, you know, you don't want heaven without us. Right. So, but look at, look at, uh, God got to the point where he was like, I'm going to wipe man off, oh, completely yeah. off the planet yeah. with, you know, with Noah. Okay. I mean, and then even with, you know, even with Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it got to the point where, 
He was just going to unload his wrath. Exactly. Because, yeah. And why? Because, because the Israelites couldn't get it right. They, yep. could, they just... You know, and that's that's the problem with man. We oh, we turn to ourselves, idols, yep. and that's that's the constant. It's, and we're we're right. You know, it's it's just it's a circle. It's a, we're it we're in a hamster wheel. Yep. And look at um, look at the Old Testament, and look at how many times the Israelites were conquered uh, by an outside force. Look at the exit. Look at an Exodus and Deuteronomy and Numbers, and how many times God was going to bring wrath right. upon the Israelites. Case in point, Moses uh, came down from the from the mountain with the Ten Commandments and seen that they had made a golden calf, and God was going to strike him dead there. You know, I mean, you know, and, and on top on top of that, again, God is just and He demands reverence. I mean, and look, you look at Moses. What Moses was a tool for God mm-hmm. to to rescue His people. And it was something that Moses didn't want to do, Aaron didn't want to do. But God's plan, you know, nothing's going to stand in the way of God's plan. But look at what happened, you know, just think about all the years that Moses spent, right? And he he doubts God, and he's not able to enter the promised land. Mm-hmm. Okay, talk about wrath. I mean, yeah. I mean, what was Moses thinking, right? Like, yep. I just spent all of this time, and I can't enter? Yep. So— you know, and, so the idea of, of, of them saying God is love, God is love, God is love, God is love, it, it does not wash with Scripture. And I, he is love. Don't get me wrong. He but is he's love. equally everything else, too. Equally just. He's yep. equally love. He's equally just. Thank you. Exactly. And that's, you know, again, we could go on and on and on about how the modern music has really taken such a t- downfall into selfism and God's perfect love without his perfect justice and, and wrath. Yeah. It's all to make, it's all to make self feel better. Yeah. So you feel good about yourself. Um, you know, so uh, it's, it's, it's a problem. That's for sure. So as we've approached the hour and 15 minute mark, let's crush the grand finale here. This is not necessarily a worship artist but her music is used in worship context often and we were talking to her about her before the show and this has become a big issue within christian circles is how to handle her and that's and that's lauren daigle it's not madonna not madonna madonna's <laughs> madonna's in her own bucket so <laughs> lauren daigle <laughs> Excuse me. I went and seen Toby Mac in concert, my wife and I did, years ago when she had just started touring her first album. She was a nobody then. And we loved her music. We got her album. We got her Christmas album. We really enjoyed listening to a lot, you know, to her music. We'd play it quite often in my car. We'd, you know, we'd hear her some of her songs at church. Uh, and we really enjoyed it. And then uh her latest album came out and then some controversy started to arise around her. So there was uh, a question posed to her in a news conference, two questions. One was uh, in direct regards to calling homosexuality a sin. uh, And she wouldn't do it. And she batted around the question and said, well, she's got a lot of friends that are 
you know, gay or lesbian. And so she just uh, couldn't make that claim. So yeah, right. Said, what what'd she said, she said, like, I, I can't say one way or the other. I'm not God or something like that. Yeah. I, mean, I Yeah. Or, I'm not. Uh, yeah. When reality is any Christian has the authority to speak on what scripture says. So if you call yourself a Christian, you have the authority to say what God says out of scripture. And so Paul tells us in Romans one, uh, and in first Corinthians, um, Jesus tells us in Matthew around, you know, what marriage should look like. And it's funny because as a side note, I got into an argument with somebody the other day on a, a post that was 30 weeks ago on Bethel's page, 30 weeks ago. And I don't know why they came across it and resurrected this stupid thing, but they called me out because I had asked if Bethel would call homosexuality a sin, because this was a controversy with them a while back. And she says, the person arguing with me says, well, it's not a sin. And I said, well, scripture would say otherwise. And she's like, oh, she does this. And I, this, I, this drives me nuts. This is the modern, like, uh, I'm talking down to you motion. Oh, honey, I study oh, this no. stuff. <laughs> she says, oh, honey, I'm studying this right now. And it's not a sin. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm like, um, so am I. And just for your information, the Greek translation that Paul writes in says it is. And it's not just, you know, and here's the thing. A lot of people like to argue that we're going to go to Leviticus and look at an explanation to the homosexuality argument. And no, I, I never use Leviticus as an argument. Never. I use Romans 1 and I use 1 Corinthians 6. Mm-hmm. And then I also use um, Ephesians 6. I use Matthew when uh, I think it's 19 um, where Jesus talks about marriage between a man and a woman. And then you can just kind of look at the orchestra of scripture, right? The whole meta narrative of scripture. It's man and woman. God created them man and woman. God didn't create man and man. God didn't create woman and woman. God didn't you, create 60 genders. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> man and a woman, a man is a man, a woman is a woman period. So do you, do you not, um, do you find that people, when you reference the Old Testament, they just they just completely, you know, disregard the Old Testament? Like, I mean, again, you look at Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and I get not going to Levitic, Leviticus. Ah, can't say that. But um, but you look at Sodom and Gomorrah mm-hmm. and that story, and you know, it, it to me it seems like a lot of people are not versed at all in right. the Old Testament, and they're not, and they're not. <clears throat> Because it's too daunting of a task for him. And most people aren't even versed in New Testament, oh, which yeah. is, you know, sad. But after I made that comment back to her and I said, because she says, oh, honey, you're, <laughs> you you don't know. And I'm like, oh, trust me, I do know. And she hasn't responded to me. That was like two days ago. But anyways, again, man, we, we can go. There's so many tangents we can go off of. This is such a... There's so many rabbit holes we can go down well, on this. <laughs> so, I mean, so to the Lauren Daigle song, and we'll get into the song. Yeah, but I, yeah. You know, I want to, I do want to say she was giving, so she was given an opportunity and to, to proclaim truth. Yes. On, yes. on a platform, mm-hmm. just like Joel Olstein has been, um, and countless other, you know, these word faith. Kanye West. Kanye West is another one. Exactly. <laughs> You're given a platform, and it's really, you know, it's like, okay, this is it, man. What are you going to do with this opportunity that God that God 
you know, gives you. And her response, and this is what got me about her, was I can't say one way or the other. I'm not God. And yep. and she just says, well, read the Bible and find out for yourself. Yeah. And when you find out, let me know because I'm learning too. So she, it's like, and and then you, it, so in this is, uh, you know, this kind of just supports the whole thing with, you know, Lauren Daigle. Then you have somebody like what, the guy, the comedian, John, is it John Christ or something? Yeah, John Christ. Oh, yeah, that guy's a. He, so he comes to her defense mm-hmm. and, and tells everybody to shut up. Yep. In, in what kills me is the whole big scandal thing with him now. Right? Oh, yeah. How he's so, a sexual predator. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? You know, yeah. Defense. You. And I'm not, you know, yeah. And look, I'm not saying anything against Lauren Daigle. You know, I, I don't know her walk with Christ. I'm not attacking her in that sense. But what I am saying is and, and what I am responding to is what she put out there. And so she's calling herself a Christian, which she does not want to do now, by the way. She she says she does not like labels. She, and um, so she doesn't like to be called a Christian artist now. Mm-hmm. So yep. so he, so so here you have an artist who who built a fan base on off of Christianity, off, off of the bloodied, bruised you know back of Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, built her empire, and now who is her god? Yeah, it's that's that's, that's my question. Money. Because yeah, isn't that funny? Because if you can't sit there and, and proclaim truth. Mm-hmm. What did what did Jesus say? You, you can't, you know, he, in you front of the Father. Gods. Yep. Yeah, and you can't serve through gods, right? He's gonna he's he's gonna say, I, I don't know you. Yep. So that's you know that's just something to think about when you're listening to you know Miss Daigle. I, I have a real problem, you know, with 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 that. I I would have a lot more respect for her if she you know if she hadn't started this whole thing. I don't want to be labeled as a Christian. Yeah. I don't like labels. Yep. And then you know and, and then. You know, I don't. I don't understand. You know, it, I, I've been asked that question too. It's like you say, this is what God says, mm-hmm. yeah. and it, yeah, yeah. You know, and that whole label thing, like Lecrae, a uh, very popular uh, Christian artist, rapper, if you would. Yeah. Uh, now no longer wants to be called that. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of these fallen away people are are going that route. It's just a tragedy. Um, you know, that was, but the, the homosexuality thing was strike two for me. Strike one was, um, the, I don't want to be classified as a Christian artist. And strike three for me was hearing her in an interview. Um, you know, they're talking about her music and she was praising her music and praising music in general that allows us to just, uh, be free. And that's what we should be ultimately Mm -hmm. happy about. She had an opportunity again to praise God and say, you know what? All the glory goes to God. It has nothing to do with me. And yet she refuses to do that even. And so, again, that's another rabbit hole to go down. But let's look at some of her music and let's see what she's talking about in her music. Because, again, I I don't want to make this a bash session on her. I don't want to make this like we're trying to tarnish her. Uh, If you listen to her and you're not convicted, then that's fine. Listen to her. She writes good music. She's a beautiful voice. Yeah, she's Um, like the Christian Adele. Yeah, her voice reminds me of Adele a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, she's got a beautiful voice. So if you're not looking for Christian music, she's a fine artist. If you just want music, go for it. Again, and that's kind of the premise with what we've talked about all night here. It's it's not necessarily we are trying to bash these individuals. We're just trying to educate you on what you should be looking for in terms of worship and God honoring music. Uh, I listen to um, music that's you know secular. 
I, I'm sure you do. Yeah. I listen to a lot of music that's classical because, quite frankly, I'm just tired of lyrical music because it it's so um, shallow. And so I just listen to classical music. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, what you're convicted of is what you have to stand for. If you're convicted that Lauren Daigle is not good and healthy for you to listen to, then don't listen to it. If you don't feel that, that's fine. Yeah, it, it really goes down to, I think, when you're listening to um, anything. And I, I've heard Nick talk about it in, in, um, with you guys, uh, you and Paul, um, about um, if it's if it's not a stumbling block. And, and I agree with that. Again, my, my beef with, I think, Lauren Daigle and, and these other people is it's, it, you know, it, it's just the opportunities to stand on truth and they chose not to. And that says mm-hmm. so much about, to me, it really does. It says so mm-hmm. much about it. So, but I, I think you're right. I think you have to, um, you know, if you're sound in, in, in scripture, in the word, and you're listening to this stuff, you are capable okay. of, of dissecting and being like, okay, this is not accurate, but mm-hmm. this is the issue. There are so many people that are not sound in scripture and have a, have a, a firm understanding of uh, of God's redemptive plan and, and how it all fits together. So they so what happens is this becomes their church, mm-hmm. and that's that's the problem uh, mm-hmm. we're running into. Yeah, you can't get your uh, theology off of the back of a T-shirt or a song. Please don't or, in, or Instagram or, in, or Instagram. That's what you say, right? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and that's kind of the message you'll see me put up every once in a while. Is yeah, if you sure. don't get yourself embedded into a good church with good small group uh, set up, then you're doing yourself a massive disservice. Don't get all of your theology from me. Don't get it all from Nick. Don't get it all from Paul or you or any, or, you know, anybody on Instagram, because we are all in, even in the churches, they're infallible. They're all fallible people. Yeah. Um, you know, I make mistakes. I, I, you know, I'm not perfectly you know, <clears throat> concrete and everything I post. I mean, there could be things that uh, I might make a mistake on or I might quote wrong or something, uh, but please. And again, it's what I post and what, you know, you do a lot more in depth because you, you know, and your stuff, but you know, when we put up stuff, we're only talking for a few minutes, you know, you need to go for, most people need to go for multiple hours a week and get churched. But yeah, anyways, so I, I pulled up this song it's called Look Up Child, and this was her biggest hit off of her last album. Oh, what's it called? Look Up Child. Hmm, I, don't know, I don't know that one. So this was her, her uh, quote-unquote popular song from this album. And the opening is, is, where are you now when darkness seems to win? Where are you now when the world is crumbling? Oh, I, 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 I hear you say, I hear you say, look up child, hey. And she repeats a bunch of stuff. Um, you're not threatened by war. You're not shaken by the storm. I know you're in control, even in our suffering. Even when it can't seem, I know you're in control. And then she repeats, uh, look up child and oh, 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 I hear you say a bunch of times. That's so the... who's, who's in control. Yeah. Who's right. she talking about? Because who's you know she, this is... Who's she looking towards? Yeah, because you know it's... Her, she's amassed a huge secular fan base, mm-hmm. right? And you know, who is this song about? Right. Yeah. Like, who? What are you talking about? Um, I. It just it blows my mind away at how 
lyrically absent this is. Now let's compare that to an older song of hers. Right? So uh Come Alive Dry Bones was a song I really enjoyed um from her her first album. Now I'm going to read some of this stuff and and you can see the difference here. Um uh, Going into the second course, but we know that you are God. Yours is the victory. We know that there is more to come that we may not yet see. So with faith you've given us, we'll step into the valley unafraid. As we come out to dry bones, there's a chorus. Uh, God of un- endless mercy, God of unrelenting love, rescue every daughter, bring us back w- the wayward son, and by your spirit breathe upon them. Show the world that you alone can save. You alone can save. Mm. talk about a massive difference what a difference yep yeah i mean just unreal how and this was that was uh produced in 2015 that album came out in 2015 and look up child came out in 2018 yeah it just you know what it reeks of it reeks of um management uh mm-hmm. a and r um folks influencing her to move away from those types of lyrics because you're going to alienate folks. Yeah. And, so here, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Um, but here's another song you say, this is off of her newest album. Uh, I, I keep fighting voices in my head that say I'm not enough. Every single lie tells me I will never measure up. And I am more than just the sum of every high and every low remind me once again, just who I am because I need you. Uh, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. Uh, and then she has some more of this. Um, excuse me. Uh, the only thing that matters now is yours. You think of me. In you, I find my worth. And in you, I find my identity. I, who is she talking about? Oh, down here at the bottom, one line, it says, talking, all I have now, I'm lying at your feet. You have every failure, God, and you'll have every victory. That's the only, only thing. You know what is actually? I mean, the, the interesting thing is, I, you know, I've heard that song, yeah, and mm-hmm. um, actually, you know, again, it's it's one of those songs where everybody loved it when it came out, and mm-hmm. um, but what does God really say about sinful man? Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, in these in these songs, it's not. And again, it's not that we're trying to beat up on Lauren because she's not writing like a Shylin song or a Timothy Brindle or a beautiful eulogy. I mean, those guys will write straight fire and drop it on a mic. Yeah. She, in, in the reality of it is she's just performing the song. She didn't right. write, you say. It was mm-hmm. James Ingram and Paul Mayberry, I think is his mm-hmm. last name. Um, again, and so, so you, you want to work backwards and look at these, mm-hmm. these guys. And, and they're the writers. Um, and they actually come from they're, – they're from a band, One Sonic Society, um, Christian band. And so collectively, collectively, they've worked with Chris Tomlin, Daigle, Wickman, Paul, Phil Wickman, um, Matt Mayer, Toby Mack, along, as well as with Hillsong and Bethel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, 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 and again, this goes to the heart of, of, of what he's singing, what songs are you picking, what the songs that you're being given as a Christian artist. Because, again, Christianity is not is is not all inclusive it's exclusive so you should be weighing and and making smart decisions based on scripture about what you're going to sing what songs you're going to perform okay it's not it's not for the masses and 
uh, in the sense that, um, you know, it's not for the masses, meaning you let you let the wolves in, you let the foxes in to 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 give you songs and, and things of that nature, because, yeah. uh, for instance, and, and again, you, you know what they say about, you know, look at what you're listening to, you know, that that'll kind of tell you where you, you know, where, where you're at with with things in your life, say, or yeah. what, ha- you know, there's there's different types of uh Thing. So, so I went on and looked at the songwriters because I wanted to see, like, okay, well, so these guys are, you know, they come from a. Uh, actually, I like a. Co- I actually like a couple of One Sonic Society songs, um, and I a James Ingram song, um, and I looked at his IG account, and he's got a, he's got a handful of posts about Christ and some books from Chip Ing Chip uh, Chip Ingram. Maybe that's his dad. I don't know. I know he's a he's a pastor. I don't know much about him. But then I looked at the other guy, Paul Mayberry. He's a drummer, um, and his account is really strictly highlighting himself, um, mm-hmm. you know, behind the drums and his his sampling software. So, again, I wouldn't know if he was a, he was a Christian, you know. Right. If I would just look at songwriters, I'm like, oh, this guy, he's just, you know. But, you know, again, it's what do you? Again, I know IG is just it's social media. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. But you know, what are you posting about? You know, I mean, if if I'm, if I'm proclaiming to be a Christian, right. Mm -hmm. It's like you and Paul, I mean, you guys have this Christian podcast, but if you're talking about everything, but Christ, everything about, uh, but the redemptive plan, well then, you know, how are you glorifying God? Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think the biggest premise that we really want to put forward as we wrap this episode up and, uh, talk and you know, kind of highlight the first episode, part one to this and part two to this one, is just be knowledgeable in what you're listening yeah. to. Yeah, you know, uh, you've made a great point to always have people work backwards. If you question a lyric on a song, look and see if there's a songwriter to it. You, it's an easy Google. Just easy. Yep. You know, look at the song and type songwriter and see if it comes up with anything, and you can start to dig in. And you'll be surprised at how interconnected that big circle of artists are to a handful of songwriters. And you'll see that the music generally sounds the same across all of the people. It's just... It's cookie cutter. It is cookie cutter. Um, It's just like in pop music. They they use the same formula. You know, and, and... You know, I encourage anybody to go look at the uh, Getty um, Instagram page. They posted something just it was really coming from an established, you know, artist about the state of and they they actually have an article out. And I I don't have the um, I don't know the URL off the top of my head, but you could probably Google it. Just the state of Christian music. And they just have just amazing insight and. Um, it, it really impacted me with what I'm, what, with what I listen to. Um, so, you know, there are, there are really good sound Christian arts artists mm-hmm. out there. And I just think that, you know, Hillsong, Elevation and Bethel, they are machines. They are machines to make money, to continue to, um, fund, um, fund their church, which, you know, um, you got to start. You have to look at the theology and the doctrine of these these places, and that should also you, you should question, you know, what you're listening to. Like you said, you know, who's producing them, who's putting it out. You know, and that's again, I don't want to make this a bash session on Lauren Daigle. Sorry, or, no, you're fine. Or anybody. I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't. But uh, you know, like you said, and what we've been trying to 
push forward across this entire time. And what this boils down to is uh, hopefully this will be an educational point for you to come in and say, man, I really need to reevaluate what I'm listening to because I, you know, I'm not being edified in it. And I'll tell you what, listen to a song by Lauren Daigle and then go listen to a song by Beautiful Eulogy and tell me how you feel convicted in terms of, you know, one of their songs. I'm, I'll tell you this before we wrap this show up, I'm going to pull up one of their um, songs and I want to just highlight some of the lyrics. So they haven't had an album. Their last album came out in 2017 and I'm going to bring up this. The album was called worthy. This is a quick song. It's about a minute when he sings it. His name is odd Thomas and uh, it's called Emmanuel. And he says, lift up your eyes and see the riches of the all-sufficient king seated on his throne in glory. See his scepter that stretches the expanse of unmeasured space. Hear him who holds all things together declares all things are mine without exception. See the curiosity of the cosmos as Christ condescends to his most cherished creatures. See the astonishment of angels as the almighty advances towards earth. See the humility of the pre-existent king born of a virgin birth. The infinite becomes infant. The maker becomes man. The divine becomes despised and the Christ is crucified. The author of all creation is cursed on uh, upon the tree that he himself spoke into being. And the Lord of life is laid in the tomb, but the grave could not contain him. So the son of man is raised to life. But why? To draw near, to pierce our greatest fear, to shed satisfying blood on our behalf, to give back life we were meant to have, to enjoy, to hear, to adore, to taste, and to look with peace upon the Savior's face, and to embrace him with an undying faith, to interpose all of his worthiness onto us, and to serve the most unworthy and undeserving. He is our God, and we are mere men by, made by him. We are not like him, but he loves us and moves among us. The great, uncreated, and the created, no longer separated. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Wow. That is that's a, me. That is a song. Yeah. And, and all of their music, man, it's like that. It's just straight fire. Yeah. So I, I highly encourage people to take this episode as an opportunity to reevaluate what you listen to. Um, and again, like we said in the early on, if you have stuff that you listen to, that's not necessarily theologically crisp and you just listen to it in your car cause you like it. That's fine. Listen to it. We're not here to tell you what to and what not to listen to. No, but, and yeah, yeah. I, and I do that. You're right. But if you want to listen to music, that's edifying and glorifying to God, then take some time and search it out because it's out there. You just got to find it. Yeah. You, uh, you know, when you asked me to be on this, you know, I had to, I did, I evaluated myself just like you, just like you said to do. And I was convicted of some things. So, um, I'll be the first to say that, you know, in, in my playlist, I had stuff that I was like, wow, you know, if I'm going to talk about this, I need to really think about, um, think about it and, and sit with it. And, and what I did is I, I deleted a ton of, of stuff from my playlist because, um, just, just based on exactly what you said, because it, it wasn't edifying and it was it wasn't scripturally sound, and that was just for me. And again, um, I'm not trying to to, to bash uh, 
Lord, Lauren Daigle as a person um, mm-hmm. or anybody else. So I hope I hope nobody got that. But again, yeah. I think when, when you're you, when you are given a platform, you know, you open and and you choose, and you're in the Christian camp, and you choose not to 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 sound to uh, to stand up for Christ and to, to defend the faith. Then I think that's something to consider and to think about. Um, yep. You know, when you listen to her, because that, you know, like you said, there was there were three strikes with her, and she is out. For, you know, yep. and, and that's just for me. So, yep, yep. me too. So, guys. Uh, Anthony, thank you for coming on and, and knocking out these two episodes with me. I have been greatly blessed by your knowledge, and I hope the people have been edified by listening to you. And uh, I think we have, <laughs> we could probably do four or five more episodes on this topic. Um, but in, a, in an overarch, I hope we put the nail in the coffin to just really challenge people on what they listen to and what they hear in their church. And maybe to be even vocal in their church to say, hey, this stuff isn't sound or this isn't theologically yeah. right. So take this opportunity and really evaluate what you're praising about in church, because this is crucial. I mean, this is what God calls us to do. Uh, there's a great movie that was just pr- produced. Um, it's called Spirit and Truth, the film by Les uh, Lamf- Lamfrey. That's his last name. Uh, it's got Kevin DeYoung, Terry Johnson, Robert Godfrey, and Tim Chalice in it, mm-hmm. amongst just a few. It's by Broken Stone Studio. Go pick this up. You can watch it on Vimo. Uh, you can buy the DVD. Get a copy of it and watch it. It's a great movie, Spirit and Truth. And that'll help you to facilitate more of what we're talking about. But uh, so that's all I've got with this. And I, again, if you guys have questions or want to talk, DM me. Uh, I'll take all the criticism and hate for this episode. Don't send it to Anthony. He was just a guest on this show. <laughs> but that's it guys uh this episode will drop paul's gonna do an episode on tuesday and then we should be back together the following tuesday together and hopefully dropping more content for you guys so uh that's all i got guys we'll see you in a couple of weeks god bless Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.